0: Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, Senior Writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the Endoscope Podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at Hicks on Instagram, and Hicks 42 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, Senior Writer for War Media, and I have a very special guest of mine. She's a freelance reporter, and she's doing major things covering the NBA and the bubble itself. Give it up for Gina Mizell. Gina, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Hanging in there like I think all of us are during these very crazy times, but yeah, doing well, enjoying watching the playoffs, and, and happy to be talking with you today
0: man we're great we're, we're glad to have you on board and um like you said the bubbles have been so much there's so many crazy things that happen within the bubble from tj warren's unexpected breakout averaging almost like 30 some points a game to people like Lou williams who just wanted to go get some wings and got <laughs> caught up at magic city and had to be in quarantine there was a the bubble is like a heck of a movie experience i'm i'm, I'm for sure from people like us that, that covered, mm. covered the nba and everything but What has been your favorite part of the bubble so far?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I think just the – first of all, the games have been awesome. I mean, even going, you know, even going back to last night where Boston-Miami goes to overtime, the Nuggets knock off the Clippers, all that stuff. But uh, just – so, first of all, the basketball I think has been a lot better than I thought it would be just given the four-month layoff. Just I think it shows that guys really did take their quarantine seriously. But as far as the -the off-the-court stuff, I've just really – I mean, you mentioned some of them, just the kind of just uniqueness of this whole experience. But even we haven't seen so much of it now that we're so deep in the playoffs. But like when the teams first got there and you saw guys out there fishing or playing spike ball or in the pool, it like almost looked like a summer camp type atmosphere, which was kind of neat. You don't normally see those guys in that type of situation. And um, like, I cover the Phoenix Suns and have for the past couple seasons. And, and they mentioned that that sort of being forced to be together for, for them about five weeks. Like it does build some camaraderie and it does build some team chemistry. And I think that's, uh, you know, maybe the teams that are still there right now are are sick of being in the bubble, but I think initially there was kind of a novelty to it that none of us had seen before.
0: Oh, most definitely. I mean, I looked at this bubble as basically like the, like an NBA's AAU tournament. Yeah. You got everybody, all these teams staying in one location and they're just playing against each other for the championship. And you run. You had some of the best, best players that are like just literally best bros. Basically, mm-hmm. kicking in each other's rooms. It's just you know, who knows what could have happened on in the rooms. I know it's supposed to be quarantine, but I mean, who knows what could happen? They could have been in each other's rooms. They could have been having pillow fights. I don't know. That's the stuff that we did, you know, growing up during the AAU circuit. So you never know what what goes fully behind the scenes with that. But mm-hmm. I think the bu- the bubble has been an amazing experience to watch, and. Me just being a fan of it, if we could do this every year, actually would be kind of interesting. But there's a team that you mentioned that you covered, which is the Phoenix Suns. They were part of the bubble. Yeah. And although they did not make the playoffs, they went undefeated Mm -hmm. uh, nine and zero, either eight and zero or nine and zero. And for that team to be one of the outside bubbles, they look like a very good team heading into the uh, the Western Conference next year uh, from a playoff perspective. But for this specific season, what did the bubble mean? To the Phoenix Suns and the progression that they had throughout the season.
1: Yeah, well, I think collectively, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just kind of an opportunity, like I said, to to reconvene. And they were, you know, one of the last teams in. It was them in Washington that were the last teams that were part of this and with such a young group and a first-year coaching staff with Monty Williams taking over, um, he talked about how it was kind of an opportunity to do a second training camp and to reteach some stuff and to, you know, just go over terminology or plays or just really break things down, which you don't have an opportunity to do during the grind of the NBA season. So that's kind of the first thing that I think just collectively, um, you know, and then Devin Booker, I think his rise and his continued ascension, um, you know, he's been sort of a, a player that, NBA diehards, I think recognize his talent, but he's obviously just never won very much in his career. And it was sort of the way he finished the season with the, the game winner against the Clippers. I mean, outside of Damian Lillard, he was the most he was the most successful individual player in those seeding games. And, and it sort of was a perfect, I think, capper to his season because he was an all-star for the first time shooting efficiency numbers were insane Um, his team is one more than ever in his career and then to sort of cap it off with that I think was really special for him individually so I think for, for Booker sort of as the narrative around him I think is sort of starting to change and the narrative around the Suns is starting to change where there's been a lot of instability a lot of losing in this organization for the past 10 years but with Monty Williams in place and kind of the young core established now led by Booker like you said I think this is going to be a really interesting kind of young rising team in a really tough western conference heading into next season
0: yeah elaborate more on monty williams because for years everybody thought that this monty Williams should have had had this opportunity to be a head coach and it took all the way up until the phoenix suns for them to really give him that opportunity and it seems like he's taken taken very good advantage of the players have been responsive they've been receptive you actually Mm -hmm. saw players develop which is one of the things that you know gave monty that gave monty williams a lot of um respect in the league with his with his relationship with players and being able to develop them. Talk about how important Monty Williams has been for this team.
1: Yeah, he's been huge. I mean, just, it it sounds cliche to say he's built a culture, but that's definitely what he's done as far as gaining the respect of the players, like you mentioned, and, and just sort of having that credibility and having he's both intense, but very calm and reserved. Um, You can tell that he cares about people as, human beings not just as players and and there's a strong relationship with him too with James Jones the new general manager here where they only spent one season together in Portland when Monty was an assistant up there and James Jones was a player but from that relationship they sort of have come back together and you can just tell there's very much an alignment between the two of them and between the front office and the coaching staff which again I don't necessarily think that was the case here for a lot of the past decade ever since you know Steve Nash left and so um, no his his Impact his influence on this team has been pretty tremendous. Um, you can just see it in the way he carries himself, in the way he speaks publicly, in the way he talks to his players, and in the way that players talk about him. And then obviously the on-court development too, which is is him and also the rest of his staff. And so I think he's been um, a tremendous impact in this first year. Um, they've committed to him for. long-term, which again was not the case with previous coaches the past couple of seasons. And so, yeah, again, with him at the helm, I'm just really interested to see what this whole group can do collectively now moving forward.
0: And I'm also interested in Devin Booker because in this this bubble, we've seen Devin Devin Booker grow from just being a scorer to being the main guy that can facilitate and actually run an offense. You can run an offense through him. He was able to set up other teammates. He was able – his assist numbers, went, I think, went, went up tremendously. I think he averaged like five, six assists in the, in the, in the bubble as a, as a combination two guard, which is quite impressive nowadays in the NBA. And to see that development and that grows from that point, as well as the grown relationship between him and DeAndre Aiden as mm-hmm. those top duos for that team, Like I mentioned before, they're a really bright team moving forward in the Western Conference and really have the chance next year, as long as they continue to develop, to make that A spot in the Western Conference. But in your opinion, what's the missing piece? What's the piece that's going to get them to that next level?
1: Yeah, I know it's interesting. I mean, because it, it's 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 kind of a fine line between letting the young players develop, and it's not necessarily just Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. It's guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Um, you know, kind of go on down down the line of, of the core. Even a Kelly Oubre Jr. If if he sticks around um, beyond this coming season, uh, there there's a lot. So you have those, and then it's do you take a big swing for. I would think maybe a, like the power forward position would be the most obvious place to do that, um, just because it's you know part of the year it was Staro Starace, part of the year it was Bridges, part of the year it was Cam Johnson, you know, in, in the bubble. Like, is that the the position where you try to you know make a big swing for somebody? But I do think a lot of it is just going to be the constant development because you mentioned somebody like DeAndre Ayton. He only played in 30 games in the regular season before the bubble because of the suspension um, for testing positive for a band diuretic. So you never really got to see – this whole group together, as far as, you know, the, the, from day one up until the end of the bubble. So um, yeah, I think a lot of it really is just continued development of this team. I'll be fascinated to see what they do in the off season, because they do have some interesting decisions to make primarily with the rest of the front court players besides DeAndre Ayton. So is that something they address in free agency and the draft again, did they try to make a trade? Um, There's all kinds of options that they are going to potentially have. So um, yeah, because you mentioned, this is a young rising team, but, then you also have teams like Memphis and New Orleans and you know Sacramento to a certain extent. Um, there are very few teams, even a team like Minnesota, like still thinks that they have the talent to compete. Like I, I don't see many teams trending downward in the Western Conference, so it's going to just be a dogfight, I think, for those last couple of playoff spots and and sort of where the Suns fit into that is going to be really interesting.
0: Everybody listening right now, you are listening to Gina Mazzell. Gina. You're talking about splashes and what the offseason can be. There's been a lot, of, there's been a lot of, 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 I want to say rumors, per se, that circled around the Sons of what they can do in the offseason. One yeah. of them is potentially getting Chris Paul. Because yeah. um, Chris Paul, obviously, they're saying that OKC is moving in another direction. They're moving towards a rebuild. There's a lot of uncertainty of whether Chris Paul is going to be there long term now. And if you can trade him, I, I'm pretty sure and positive with the feeling that they're going to trade him. Um, so do you think that would actually be a good fit to have a Chris Paul in your backcourt with Devin Booker and, being, and seeing what he's done with it from a leadership perspective with the young Oklahoma City team taking them to the, to the playoffs? Do you think that could be a potential option that the Suns really should consider?
1: Well, you can't deny what Chris Paul's done not just in Oklahoma City this year but throughout his career and just kind of that mentality that he brings and and certainly Booker is is a guy who is I think Um, receptive to uh to veteran leadership I mean even someone like Ricky Rubio has been an amazing presence for this team again he's very calm and fits right in I think to the offensive style that Monty Williams wants to play but the thing with Chris Paul and I know it's 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 every conversation about Chris Paul is his monster contract and so do the Suns want to take that on when number one Devin Booker is already on a max deal the max deal for DeAndre Ayton is coming down the pike. Another big contract from Mikhail Bridges is coming down the pike. And you have questions about Kelly Oubre Jr. and some other players on this team. And so it, it's, it's just a matter of when you decide to spend your money because before the pandemic, it looked like the Suns would have a pretty decent amount of cap room to potentially go after um, you know, a, a bigger name. But then also, you look at the summer of 2021, and it's funny that you mentioned Chris Paul because people have been like, out. Some people out here have been like, trade for Giannis or go after Giannis, like go for which would be obviously you do anything to get Giannis. But um, like so, and he he could potentially be available in the summer of 2021. That's also a very strong free agent class. So for the Suns, it's just a matter of when do you go for it? Do you use another year, especially if the the cap shrinks, to like sort of build this core, see what you have. Try to have a full season with the roster available, or do you actually swing right now? So I, it's again, that's that's why those people are front office people, and I am not. <laughs> um, but it's going to be really interesting again to just see how they decide to spend their money because there's a lot of factors right now that it's just when do you go after it? But um, yeah, Chris Paul, just given his career and his leadership um, and the the impact that he had on the young Oklahoma City team, um, I think it would be a in, very interesting fit if you know, Milwaukee doesn't try to trade for him or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I we're talking about trades, obviously, because we haven't deal with a lot of people that are, they have huge contracts. Like you mentioned, Devin Booker got a max contract.
1: Mm-hmm. And people
0: have been saying for years, he needs to get out of Phoenix. Yeah. So how do you get that? You obviously have to trade for somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: if I'm Devin Booker, seeing what we just went through, especially within the bubble, mm-hmm. being undefeated, pretty much being the game behind going into be actually making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you have a rising young center and DeAndre Aiden. You have two very valuable, in my opinion, young um, two-way players in Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to leave your future with this team to go with a team that's a win now in your prime?
1: Yeah, no, and and what I'll say about Devin Booker too is that he has never once indicated that he was unhappy in Phoenix when and and he certainly had reason to over the last few seasons. He could there have been there have been plenty of times where he could, have, he could have expressed frustration or anger or disappointment or you know make some call somebody out and he hasn't done it at least not since I've been covering the team. And so if anything, you would hope if you're the Phoenix Suns that the worst is behind you as far as far as the you know tumultuous just situation that's been surrounding Devin Booker that the worst of his career is over from that standpoint. And again, with Monty Williams in place with this front office in place that now it's time to to take off. And, and so, like I said, he has never expressed anything but a desire to want to pull the Suns out of this drought to want to bring this team back to what was once a proud franchise and and you know I think Phoenix is a, a Suns town at its core and so to be a part part of that I think is really enticing to him he's also very close with um, Larry Fitzgerald of the Cardinals and so he's obviously spent his entire career in Arizona and you know they went to the Super Bowl once but they've also had a lot of down years and I think he respects the the kind of city icon that Larry has become here so I, again I know it's and, and it makes sense given this player empowerment era we're in, especially when things happen like last summer, where nobody even knew that Paul George was unhappy, and suddenly he's in LA. And and so I think it makes sense to look at okay, who are the who are the players that are not in the best situations that might want to you know up what what's what's happening with them? And Booker's an easy target or an easy person to pull from that, but. At this point, like you said, now there's actually some trajectory and there's some positive juice around this team. And so I'd be really surprised if he came out and said, actually, I want to leave now, because it's like, you want to leave now after, after everything that this, he's been through in his career. So, um, yeah, again. People's minds change, situations change, and I'm not going to sit here and declare that Devin Booker is going to be a a lifer in Phoenix, but at least at this point, he's never said anything otherwise than he wants to be here. And I think now he's in the best situation with this franchise than he's been in his whole career.
0: I agree with that, but like you mentioned before, temptation does lurk when it comes to potentially going, thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. And a prime example of that, in my opinion is this year's draft situation because it's been rumored that the Minnesota Timberwolves do have the number one pick, mm-hmm. maybe utilizing that pick to get Devin Booker to Minnesota because he can play with his, his two best friends mm-hmm. and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, who are there now. And the Minnesota Timberwolves seem like they've been trying to swing for the fences ever since the Jimmy Butler trade, right. um, trying to revive themselves to get back into the playoffs. And by, and they did that within this past uh, season by getting D'Angelo Russell at the trade deadline is that yeah. if you if you're the Suns do you really want to listen to that type of offer especially since the number one pick with Anthony Edwards potentially being a number one guy who people say is one of the top three maybe transcending players of this entire draft class
1: here's what I'd say about that is I would be stunned if James Jones was interested in that type of deal, because he, I'm not going to say he doesn't value the draft because he does. Um, And obviously, you know, they were mocked for their Cam Johnson pick last year. And I think that actually turned out pretty well. He was a useful um, rotation player and I think is more than a three point shooter. Um, But he, he is harped on ever since he took over for Ryan McDonough right before the 2018, 19 season began that in order to, rebuild that he wants proven NBA players like it doesn't have to be all all-stars but like guys that you know what you're going to get that this is what they do well that the, the the concept of having all these projects was over and so you still have a couple young ones with a DeAndre Ayton with the Mikhail Bridges with a Cam Johnson it would be the same thing if they keep their first round pick which will be the 10th pick this year but I just Again, I would be shocked unless Devin Booker came in and said, you need to trade me to Minnesota right now. If he, Unless he pulls a Paul George or an Anthony Davis or that type of thing. Um, I just don't see James Jones being – um, you know, enticed by, by Anthony Edwards, just given that this draft is so um, kind of uncertain, whether it's Edwards or LaMelo Ball or whoever you think is, is the top prospect. Um, I just, again, I, I understand why people kind of want to connect those dots and you say, Oh yeah, you could go play with his buddies um, in, in Minnesota. But um, I just, unless Devin Booker came and said, guys, I'm so unhappy. This is what I want to do. I just don't see James Jones being um, persuaded by the number one pick, to be honest with you.
0: That being said, since you, since we don't think he's really going anywhere, and honestly, at this point, if I'm Devin Booker, I shouldn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, They do have the 10th pick, like you mentioned, in this year's draft. And a lot of scouts have said pretty much after the third pick, after your top three prospects, which is James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and Lamella Ball, kind of up in the air with everybody else. Like, there's no solidified players that you think, okay, this guy's going to make it past. Their first contract in the NBA and be franchise players. So, if you're the Phoenix Suns in this position, you mentioned they need a power forward. You got, mm-hmm. And you could address that in free agency, I think, or in the offseason, because I believe Lamarcus Aldridge is someone that's going to be on the trade market, someone that may be a veteran power forward that could be beneficial for um, that team, especially in a bit of backcourt with DeAndre Aiden. That would be very intriguing um, mm-hmm. to look at. But at the same time, you also said that they could get somebody out the draft who would potentially would you pick and, and, and knowing the mindset of James Jones and knowing the mindset of that Phoenix Phoenix Suns front office who do you mm-hmm. think they would most likely look at really and really consider at that 10th uh, that you know that number 10 pick or do they even consider trading or you know trading up or down
1: yeah if they stay at number 10 um or even if they trade up or down i think there's uh Three, well two positions and then maybe one kind of wild card player uh, The two positions will be power forward like you mentioned or potentially uh, a backup point guard because that was also that like third guard spot was kind of a uh, it was roulette <laughs> the whole season and nobody ever really kind of took hold of it until surprisingly campaign in Orlando which if you had that on the bingo card then congratulations <laughs> but uh, so I think if, if someone like a Tyrese Halliburton or even Achilles Hayes if you kind of want more of a long-term project. If they're available at 10, I could see them addressing it there. Um, like you mentioned, power forward. Someone like an Obi Toppin, if he falls, I think that could be a really interesting fit. Um, next to DeAndre Ayton, he's been compared to Amari Stoudemire, which I think is really enticing for a lot of Suns fans. And then another name, if it's kind of a situation where the, the power forwards that they maybe like are off the board, if the point guards are off the board, uh, someone like Devin Bassel, who's from Florida State. Uh, it's another wing it's a guy who plays good defense and shooting and so maybe you think that's too similar to Mikhail Bridges um but he was coached by Leonard Hamilton at Florida State um he was James Jones's coach at Miami so there's a very clear connection there which was the case last year in the draft Cam Johnson and Jeff Bauer kind of the second in command in the front office they knew each other from when Cam was in high school and so they're very much big on you can tell that personal connection that People that they, again, you kind of know what you're going to get. So if I were to look at kind of some options, it would be either a a power forward, someone like an Obi Toppin, maybe an Okongwu, the kid from USC, um, a point guard, whether it's kind of a plug and play guy like Halliburton or maybe a longer term prospect or project like Killian Hayes or, you know, someone like a Devin Bassel who would be sort of the best player available, but somebody that, um, you know, James Jones sort of has a connection to and probably has all kinds of intel on already, just given uh, the relationship he still has with Leonard Hamilton.
0: Everybody listening right now. You're listening to Gina Vizel. Um Gina, you're now you, you mentioned you covering the NBA bubble. Um uh-huh. uh, we di- we now have two set finals, conference finals. Yeah. Um the Nuggets, which was a shocker for me, but hey, they they they're killing it. Um the Nuggets are now playing the Lakers, and you currently have the Miami Heat playing against the Celtics. That's, that series already started. Miami Heat recently just up 1-0. What are you looking for when it comes to covering with these two final matchups? Like, What are the things that you look at when it comes to each matchup?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think we, we expected or thought there was a chance for some unpredictability in these playoffs, just given the long layoff and that guys have said that this basically feels like a whole new season. And so we've seen that for sure so far with the Bucks and the Clippers getting knocked out before the conference finals. I don't think any of us would have projected both of those teams to be gone at this point. So, um, you know, that, that makes it fun. That's been made, made it really entertaining. And so you look at a team like Miami and when I look initially Boston, Miami who would I pick probably Boston but I'm like why am I still I'm still doubting Miami for some reason why am I doing that based on what they've done so far in these playoffs and what Jimmy Butler can do and, and bam and just that whole crew Eric Spolstra I mean like why would you count them out and then on the western side um you know obviously the the narratives around the Lakers are, are so apparent but um I covered the Denver Nuggets for the Denver Post in 2017-2018 and that was the year before They made the playoffs when they went on a six-game winning streak at the very end of the season. They played that last regular season game in Minnesota. It was like a winner-take-all. You know, winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes home. And so to see that team – continue to evolve and to continue to blossom and what Nikola Jokic has become, what Jamal Murray has become, what some of those role players that they have have evolved into, um, and to see Michael Malone as a head coach continue to sort of motivate this team. I mean, it's been really cool just because I, I sort of feel like I saw the, the beginning of this. And did I expect them to win game seven or to come back from a three to one deficit twice in the same playoffs? Absolutely not. But um, they're just playing with no fear right now. And they, they, they're they playing like the team that everybody knows that no one's giving them a chance and didn't give them a chance against the Clippers aren't going to give them a chance against the Lakers. But um, they're still kind of a, a younger group that they're just sort of going out there and playing the way that they know how to play. And, and that's been really really fun to watch and so I'm I'm looking forward to that series Um, I would certainly I'll I'll doubt them again I'll say I would pick the Lakers to win that series but who knows I mean it's going to be really interesting but yeah these playoff games have been super entertaining I've loved watching it Um, it's now weird having games or nights where there are no games now that we're down to these you know two series and and it's like every night I'm just ready to watch something new so um, yeah I can't wait to see how both of these series unfold moving forward
0: who are you predicting to win the finals (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I'll go with the Lakers uh, now, again, now that the Bucks and the, the Clippers are out of it, but, uh, it just, again, I, I, cause again, even if the Lakers, like, let's say they come out and they lose game one, well, they've done that in their first two series. So I'm not ready to count them out. And they just come out and then just bulldozed, uh, the, the Blazers and the Rockets so I I still think they're the best team and have really been able to kind of turn it on when they've needed to and it's hard to count out LeBron and anything in life and so I'll still go with them but nothing would surprise me at this point we'll put it that way and as long as the basketball is entertaining um, I'm good with that.
0: (laughs) I hear you I feel you on that Uh, I have to ask you this question though because you mentioned that you were you were with the Denver Post, uh, Denver Post, when you was covering the Denver Nuggets in 2017 and 2018. The Bulls got a Denver guy in our tourist Yeah, he's running the show up here in Chicago. You know, we're we're, we're Town people up here. I'm Shy Town, so we got we got to rep the Bull- talk for Bulls a little bit. Yeah. And and um, the fact that we call him AK for short, the AK is here now, and there's speculation that you know he's potentially going to potentially hire Wes Unseld who was part of that Denver staff. Yep. Um, talk about how good of a hire that would be for the Bulls and how that, that, that tandem of Mark, Ever, uh, Mark Eversley, who's now the new GM of the Bulls, um, A.K. Arturis Kronisovas, and having Wes Unso Jr. as your head coach, where does that direction take you? How much of a impact will this have on the Bulls and moving forward coming from the whole abysmal front office we had with Garth with, you know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson?
1: yeah yeah no i mean it would definitely be a fresh outlook which it already is with our tourists there um but you know, Wes Unseld is a guy that, I mean, Michael Malone said it after game seven, like this guy should be a head coach. And he's been sort of their defensive coordinator and and really coming up schematically with a lot of stuff, um, you know, over the past few seasons. And I, I really like Wes as, as a person. He's very sharp. He's very personable. Um, I know that players really like him. And he's also a guy that I remember two years ago, um, Michael Malone was suspended for a game because he went off on the refs or I can't remember exactly what happened, but um, Unseld was who took over in that game so i've seen him coach one game as a head coach in in my life um but i think he's ready for that opportunity i mean he's interviewed for jobs before um i know he interviewed for the cleveland job last year before it went to john beeline and i'm sure there maybe have been others that i'm I'm not thinking of or can't think of off the top of my head right now but um that would make a lot of sense just because again we've talked so much about the connections on the suns but with ak with wes Unseld, i think that would be a really interesting um, hired for a young Bulls team that uh is is also like you said trying to pull itself out of one era and push into another. But um no, I, I, I like Arturis as well. Um he's very He's very reserved, like, which is really interesting because Tim Conley, the the president of the Nuggets and kind of their primary front office decision maker, he's very gregarious. He's very outgoing. He's very personable. And then Arturis is like very stoic, which I'm sure you've seen just in hearing him speak uh, it, it, since he's come to Chicago, but very smart has amazing connections overseas obviously and just is very 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 well respected not just in the NBA but around the world as far as basketball is concerned he has so much experience with the league office with you know team front offices and just all over the place so um I thought that was a great hire when Chicago made that hire again AK has been a guy that he's been ready for this for a couple of seasons and just you know hasn't necessarily found the right opportunity but um no I, I wrote a a big profile piece on him while I was in Denver and one of the craziest leads I've ever had to a story as far as how I started it off when he came over to the United States to play for Seton Hall in order to come play college basketball he had to get this permission of the KGB and I had to and that was like blew my mind That I'm like okay I'm leading a story in at that point like 2019 with Um, you know, Arturis Karnasivis, you know, waiting for the KGB to say, yes, you can go play college basketball in the United States because we are not worried about you defecting from, you know, the USSR. (laughs) So it's crazy. But that's, yeah, he's had quite the life in basketball. And I think he'll do um, a a really nice job in Chicago.
0: That's crazy. That's really crazy (laughs) to think about. But my my biggest concern as someone that that helps cover the NBA and the Bulls and, and as a fan as well, is the fact that as we move toward this new direction and we continue to build and develop the staff and the culture that we want, Chicago, Chicago, we live off stars. We, we need superstars. We need all-stars superstar talent to help bring the bulls back to relevancy to the point where, you know, we were the bulls of old. I mean, you're talking about MJ as arguably the goat that brought us six titles. Mm -hmm. So we need to, we need to thrive off us. We thrive off of superstars and My question is, do you believe Wes Unsell Jr., if he's hired as the Bulls coach, because he hasn't hired yet, but he's been rumored as the lead candidate, do you believe that he is a good coach that players will actually want to come play for?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question, because I mean, it's yeah, it's like you've got everything else there as far as the history, as far as the city. I mean, people love even in the dead of winter. It's like we all love coming to Chicago every season like that's that's a given. So um, but also you need someone to coach the roster that you have, too. And so with with the group that they've got with, you know, Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen, if he gets healthy and Kobe White and sort of moving forward with this group. I think it makes sense why again, someone that you're comfortable with and somebody that you know has had experience building a program too or helping build a program with this this Denver Nuggets franchise that he's been with for the past few years. So yeah, I understand the 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 want or the desire to attract superstars but also if the team is good and the situation is good I think that's going to be a natural um you know recruiting tool as well like I I think you want to go with that and and be with or have a coach that's going to coach your group well and bring it along the way you want versus like what the New York Knicks do and that they, you know, hire Leon Rose because he was Devin Booker's former agent and like, Oh, they think, Oh, he's going to attract free agents. And it's like, well, it doesn't always work like that, even in a Mecca, like New York city. So I don't know. I think I I understand the concern. I think that definitely um, is, is a worthy one and or just a worthy consideration. But, most of all, I think you just want a good coach and somebody who can come in and and bring this young group along and try to establish some consistency, establish some stability, establish that culture that we were talking about before with the Suns and sort of take that step by step process. And if it's a good environment, people know that and people will be able to you know see that. So I think that would be a good first step. Um, but certainly understand why the desire for superstars is, is high in a, in a city like Chicago. Well,
0: Chicago fans, you hear it first. In AK We Trust. Yes. <laughs> in AK We Trust. Gina, what you got coming up next?
1: Oh, man. So I am continuing to freelance like crazy. Um, I will be covering these playoffs for a couple of different outlets. Um, and then I also have started my own newsletter and website that is specifically covering the sun in June. Did it all through the bubble. We'll continue to do it throughout the offseason. It's called Valley Tales at.substack.com. Um, it's a playoff of the the sons call themselves the Valley Boys, so these are the Valley Tales about the Valley Boys. But that's uh, one primary spot, um, and and yeah, just uh, continuing to follow these playoffs, just like uh, all of us are right now.
0: Okay, everybody go, everybody follow Gina Mizell Valley Tales.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's where she that's where she's doing all, all her, her good her good work. And where can they find you on social media?
1: Yeah, it's just my first name and my last name. So G-I-N-A-M-I-Z-E-L-L. And yeah, posting there all the time, all my work, um, some fun shenanigans while we're watching games, all that good stuff. So that's always a good place to go to, to find all my stuff.
0: Everybody follow Gina Mizell. She's the real deal. And, and if you and also follow me on social media at That Guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and on Twitter at jhicks042. Gina, thank you so much for hopping on the Endoscope podcast i really appreciate it love to have you come back talk more nba and all the great things you're doing in your life and just thank you so much we look forward to having you come on again
1: no problem it was great to talk to you and i look forward to coming back
0: all right you have a good one
1: you too